Hello and welcome to the Movie Change Up Podcast, uh, Disney Plus Weekly Review for the week of July 24th, 2021. My name is Joe Fricky. I'm your regular host of this podcast, and as always, I'm joined by uh, Tristan Mayer, who uh, is a recent competitor of mine in our main show of the Movie Change Up Podcast. Uh, if you're a big fan of summer blockbusters, me, him, and our uh, two regular podcast uh, colleagues... Uh, recently did a Mount Rushmore of Summer Blockbusters that is now on YouTube. So check that out, and I think it will go live on our podcast platform on Sunday at 7. So if you're an audio listener, check that out there. Uh, but anyways, uh realized that I don't have the right background, and so I am going to change that on the fly. Because Good luck, Joe. Take that on. I believe in you. Because, boom... Nope, still not right. Don't. It's know. a Disney show, Joe. It's a Disney show, Joe. It's all about believing in yourself. You can, you can do it. You can fly. All right. Oh. There. Now it's fixed. So if you're wow. watching on the YouTube or our Twitch stream, our, you know, the information surrounding us of what we're going to talk about today is now accurate. Um. Like I said, it's their July 24th, and this is our Disney Plus Weekly Review. Uh, Tristan, kind of what are your general thoughts overall for Disney Plus this week? Well, we've been kind of praising Disney most of these weeks. I'm not going to lie. Like, even on some of the off weeks, we've been like, okay, well, there was a week episode of Bad Batch here, but a good episode of Loki. Or there was a week episode of Loki, but a good episode of Bad Batch. And this week, there wasn't much to go on. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was stuff I was looking forward to, but none of it panned out uh none of the none of the stuff none of the headline stuff really delivered on it this week and uh, some of the some of the sideline stuff was interesting but nothing that i'm really going to seek out or highly recommend but it will be fun to discuss and talk about especially the theme parks we're going to talk about the disney theme park uh special that came out this week on disney plus the behind the scenes of how the theme parks were made that's probably what i'm most excited about believe it or not in a, in a week with star wars and a week with everything else uh that's what I'm excited to talk about. So I'm curious to see uh, what your thoughts are, Joe, and how we're gonna t- how the episode is gonna go. It might be our first downer episode, depending yeah. on how you feel. Yeah, I will say generally, g- generally the scripted content this week on Disney Plus wasn't that great, but I will say the unscripted content was was more interesting. I'll say, I was, you know, it's stuff that I didn't fully watch every ep- I didn't watch every episode of Behind the Attraction, but I'm going to actually go and finish what I didn't watch just because I was actually interested in the episodes. So, uh without further ado, let's get started on our main topic for today or our first topic anyways, and that is today's episode of The Bad Batch. I believe this is episode the season 1 episode 13 titled Infested. Uh Tristan, what were your kind of thoughts on this episode? We've been talking about how much you want to get like bad, bad sideline stories. It's like the crew going out doing stuff. So when the episode started, I was like, oh, cool. It's going to be the crew going out doing stuff. But I feel like <laughs> we, for some reason, got like the the best and the worst of what that can be. I think like, well, we got most of the worst, I guess, because I think this was more just the crew going out doing stuff and less of actual development of the characters while it's happening. Like what made those pillar episodes so interesting is that sure the plot's filler but for the characters it matters and like something happens that teaches the character a lesson that matters and this just kind of felt like filler in a season that is already short and doesn't necessarily need filler (laughs) 
So I was kind of a bit let down that this far into the season we're now getting into the filler episodes. Yeah, I will say uh, I'm usually one of the last people to call an episode filler because as long as the characters learn a moral or a lesson, uh, you know, I'm okay with the episode. It doesn't necessarily need to advance the physical plot because if the characters change, I still feel like it's an important episode. And this episode, the, ep- the credits rolled and I'm like, don't really feel like the characters learned anything. I don't feel like we are in a different spot than we were when the episode started. It's very much a bottle episode. This could have been season one, episode five, and I don't think we would have even noticed or felt a change, really. Uh, I was talking to my one of my friends, messaging about the episode, telling him kind of what to expect, and I said, of all the episodes of The Bad Batch, this is definitely one of them. And that's kind of uh, my thoughts. It's definitely a Sid-heavy episode, I will say. I will say if we get anything out of this episode that doesn't make this episode filler, it's Sid becoming more of the Bad Batch's friend and less of their boss and less of someone that's, like, telling them what to do. And then also if the character of Durand, who is in this episode, comes back, uh, I feel like it maybe will make this episode less filler. I For part of me thought that they would reveal that... Because I, I didn't remember if they ever said his first name in the beginning of the episode or not. So part of me wondered if he was going to be revealed to be Visago, who is kind of the main villain of season one of Rebels. But because he was the same creature, especially when they started to cut off his horn. But the characterization of him is different. And it's the opposite horn that's cut off. So clearly it's not Visago. But... Yeah, I do think I do like what you said that we saw a bit more of what uh, Sid's role might be in the team going forward a little bit. Because uh, I know last week the Bad Batch got their debt paid off, so we were wondering, oh, what is Sid going to be like? What is their relationship going to be like? How often are they seeing each other, or is she just going to be gone? Yep. And now we see at least they have a relationship together. And I do also want to say, like, you did bring up, oh, if a character comes back, that could kind of change how we look at the episode. And I think that's a big thing to think about because. When you go back and you watch Clone Wars, there are a lot of episodes you're just like, oh, that's a random filler episode. But there are some where you think, oh, that's a filler episode. But then four seasons later, it turns out that one random character is Saw Gerrera. And he turns out to be important. You didn't know that when you were watching it, but <laughs> yeah. it turns out to be important. So, so you never know if they could take one of these characters and make run with them and do make something cool out of them. But as of right now, it feels a bit more like filler. But I do want to be optimistic, like, yeah. I, like we've been talking about, to not... Uh, just repeat characters, bring in new characters. So at least they brought in new characters. It wasn't, oh, here's Luke Skywalker this week. <laughs> yeah, I will say one of the things with Rebels too is there's an episode where they meet Leia and uh, the kind of main group of characters help her get the Hammerhead Corvettes. And at the time, a lot of characters were like, oh, this episode's filler. It doesn't advance the plot. And then Rogue One comes out and the Hammerhead Corvettes that the Rebels crew helped steal come back in a big important way in that movie so it definitely makes that episode feel less filler so it might not even be something in season two or season three of bad batch that makes this feel like less less filler it could be something we see in you know season three of mandalorian or season two of ahsoka or you know you you have no idea where any of these characters could come back in and play a part in a larger story and uh, definitely make this feel less thriller but there are some things about this episode i do like i like kind of every time we explore the underworld i'm a big crimson dawn darth maul fan so seeing the pikes i was kind of hoping we might get a crimson dawn or darth maul kind of reference in there but there weren't really any but i feel like potentially that's something they might be building towards for season two we're kind of uh crosshair and the empire the villains of season one and we might get more of an underworld 
villains for season two. I think that's a good positive. I, I I always think it's fun to see these characters together. I think we have a really tight uh, crew of characters, and if you can judge by the tone shifts that these shows go through, assuming we have a couple more seasons out of this, I think we're going to start seeing like slowly but surely this team's going to face a lot of dark times ahead. So I think <laughs> it's fun to see just this moment of them together and having a good adventure together. So I like having that. It could be one I look back on and just like here's the crew working together kind of storyline. Yeah. So I like that. And I also think uh, it's it's going to be interesting going forward to see how much more filler there is in this season or if we're going to be kind of plot heavy here and out because we don't have that many episodes left. Yeah, there's three episodes left and when the next episode being called War Mantle, I kind of think this was almost like a calm before the storm, like one last final side quest before the big final finale. Uh, I definitely think war, you know, Crosshair is going to play a big part, and I don't see them doing a Crosshair-heavy episode, and then kind of another side quest episode, and then the big finale episode. I think these last three episodes are all going to play into each other and all be part of a big finale. Yeah, I think coming to the end of an entire season and having, like, one episode that's filler, <laughs> yeah. maybe you could argue two somewhere in there, but, like, that's pretty good for an entire season of an animated kid show to have only one filler episode. That's pretty impressive, especially going out by the history of like the first season of Clone Wars like it's 90% filler yeah yeah uh and one also thing the Pike's guards armor I was a big fan of I thought that looked really cool there was some really good design it always is good design like that's one thing that's impressive about this show is even in these weaker episodes it just looks gorgeous <laughs> yeah like they they don't spare any budget for just like cool creatures and cool design and just detail on the on the world around them yep all right anything else to say about bad batch before we move on no not much to talk about for that one <laughs> yeah not a ton to go on for there all right you ready to talk about uh marvel studios assembled the making of loki i'm really ready for this one this will be a lot uh more fun i think yeah, it was definitely, I wasn't sure. I watched, I forgot that I had even watched the one for WandaVision. I don't remember anything from it. I watched, I apparently I didn't watch the Falcon and Winter Soldier one, but uh, definitely watched this one. I thought it was really interesting. It felt more like a documentary about the like history of Loki in the Marvel Universe and less so much about like a history, the making of Loki, the actual show. Uh, but I thought it was, you know, kind of an interesting doc. It's kind of like propaganda-ish to a point, but they're not going to be like, oh, here's all the problems we had. It was more just kind of like this fluff piece, but I I enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, we're talking about propaganda. I think it's going to be very propaganda-heavy here on out for these documentary pieces. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I had a good time with this one. Uh, I was really impressed by just some of the – not impressed, but I enjoyed watching the behind-the-scenes of these – actors interacting i think especially owen wilson and tom hiddleston mm-hmm. together it was just like <laughs> the charm was off the charts and it made me just really want to see more of the characters and just they had this moment early on in the in the documentary where they're talking about the name mobius and he was owen wilson was talking about oh i'm not really a superhero i'm just like a guy named mobius mm-hmm. <laughs> and i thought that was a pretty funny thing for owen wilson it seemed like a fun set to be on and you also yeah. get an interesting look at how much of it was effects and how much it was practical, which I thought was a question we were asking a lot during the during the show. 
especially like TV office, how much of that was an actual office, how much of that was effect, and you get that answer here. So that was cool. Yeah, I will say when you're talking about the interaction between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston, my favorite moment from the entire documentary uh, was uh, Owen Wilson telling a story and uh, Tom Hiddleston dropped some line about uh, from Shakespeare and Owen Wilson was like, oh, is that Shakespeare? And Tom Hiddleston was like, yeah, it's from, I think, Hamlet, he said. And they were talking about it a little bit, and, Tom, and Owen Wilson said, oh, have you ever played Hamlet? And Tom Hiddleston's like, yeah, I just kind of got done uh, playing Hamlet. Uh, Kenneth Branagh directed me in the role. And then after a short pause, Tom Hiddleston was like, have you ever played Hamlet? And Owen Wilson <laughs> said that was the first time in his career that a coworker would ever have just like thought to ask him if he had ever played Hamlet. He's like, at no point was Ben Stiller ever sitting there wondering, hmm, I wonder if Owen Wilson has played Hamlet. So that was... Yeah, it seemed like Owen Wilson was kind of like, just like in the show, he was a highlight of the documentary. I feel like, some of the, especially in just these actor interviews, obviously, where he was a presence. Yeah. <laughs> it was just fun to see him on a Marvel set. Something I never thought I'd ever see is Owen Wilson like walking around in not only a Marvel movie, but like a Marvel space sci fi movie. Yeah, it was like weird how much he like fit into this world, I will say. Like, it's not something. If you had thrown me the script and been like who should play Mobius like Owen Wilson is not gonna like cross my mind but I thought he was perfect for it which shows I guess why I'm not a casting director but... <laughs> yeah you can tell by your picture that movie change up Jerry not a wow. casting director uh, but yeah I really liked uh, Owen Wilson in the show of course but yeah uh, this was just an interesting documentary like you said it was propaganda-ish so it wasn't like oh we were desperate to get this done because of this, all these problems and the actors are fighting and no one knew what was going on. Like, I'm sure there were a lot of problems like that. I would love someday to get the MCU tell-all book that goes into, like, the highs and lows of getting this entire thing together yeah. from the start. Uh, yeah. But that will, who knows when that will happen. You had to wait 50 years to the MCU's over, I guess. Yeah, one of the things I thought was curious when they were talking about the woman who kind of, like, pitched the idea and was the showrunner of, like, where she came in and was like, this is my idea, and she was the one that, like, thought of the TVA and all of this, and I'm like... Because I thought this would have been more of like a Kevin Feige type thing where he's like, all right, we're going to do the Loki show and it's going to be the TVA and uh, it's going to introduce the multiverse and then he hired writers to do it. I was kind of surprised that like this big event that's going to kind of usher in the next phase of Marvel was like some random outside person's idea for a Disney Plus show. Yeah, I really like that. We always give Kevin Feige and like the Marvel brand so much credit. Like, oh, they're playing this and that and this and that for decades ahead and maybe once in a while it's just like someone comes up with an idea and they're like oh that sounds cool and we were already kind of doing that anyway so let's make that a centerpiece <laughs> you know because i'm sure it wasn't like oh let's do multiverse only because this one woman said so like yeah. it seems like everything was kind of going that way ready and she just happened to talk mm -hmm. or what talk, like suggest the right thing you know they were on the same wavelength of multiverse and loki and tva so it seemed like a match made in heaven and i like how it turned out yeah, I'm curious. Maybe maybe to an extent they were like, well, what if the multiverse always existed and that was their whole idea? And then someone was like, well, we could create the multiverse. And that they were like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Because so, like, I think up until this point, they never really said, oh, there's one sacred timeline. The multiverse is, doesn't exist, blah, blah, blah. So this is kind of like they could have just maybe one of the notes was like, if you're going to pitch our Loki show, you have to introduce the idea of the multiverse. And so this was kind of her take on it. And some other people were like, oh, it's like a bunch of Lokis running around and all these various different ideas. But yeah, if you watch the Loki show, if you're an MCU fan, I definitely think uh, it's worth checking out.
Yeah, I felt personally attacked when he said, oh, some people wanted the show to just be Loki going around quantum leaping through time, and I was like, yes, that's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but then they gave us something totally different, and I, I was subversive, but I liked it a lot, kind yeah. of. It was a nice, this is a nice, I didn't watch the previous two documentaries, so this is the first one that I've watched, and it does feel like a nice little bow on top of the show, so I'm probably going to go back and watch the other two after this. But yeah, if you're... If you were into Loki and you want a nice little finale or after after the finale, you're desperate for more. I'd, I'd check it out, especially after we're waiting desperately a month for what if you know how are we gonna yeah. make it three weeks without Marvel? But we'll try. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add to that? No, I had a really good time with it. All right. Well, there is something here that can you know quench our thirst for great content based on a famous property. If you're if you if you can't wait three weeks for more MCU, and that is Turner and Hooch starring Josh Peck. Now, one of the things we did is neither of us had seen the original movie Turner and Hooch, and so we thought to get the more interesting uh, conversation, it's one of us should see the movie before the show comes out and one of us shouldn't. So I ended up watching the movie. I thought the movie was really solid overall, just classic kind of 1980s movie you'd think starring... Basically, if you've never seen Turner and Hooch, you can basically imagine everything that happens by looking at the poster. It's a 1980s movie with Tom Hanks and a dog, and he's a cop. Uh, however, the show, I will say, I think only the first episode's out, and that's what both of us watched. Uh, for me, the show starts off a little rocky. I don't know if I'm exactly a big a fan as how he got the dog. I think that was done uh, a lot better in the movie, and it made way more sense in the movie. But I think towards the end it picked up a little bit and it made me interested enough to at least check out uh uh episode two uh but what are your kind of general thoughts on the show without having seen the movie yeah I, I, like you said i haven't seen the movie but it is one of those kind of like folklore kind of movies <laughs> you always hear about the movie where it's tom hanks and he's a dog and he's the cop and there's a dog and the dog cop like it's one of those weird premises you always go to for crazy crazy movie premises i think we've rebooted it on our show before but uh yeah i was going into this pretty much blind other than that and i was super disappointed by this one <laughs> i like josh peck he seems like a charismatic interesting guy i've followed him on youtube uh, for the last few years after he's of course was big on drake and josh but like a lot of those stars he sort of had this like instagram influencer youtuber kind of rise again and Congrats to him on the show. He's looking good. You know, you lost a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. All that looking good. I'm, you're not the worst of the two of the Drake and Josh uh, duo. So it's a low bar, though. <laughs> but yeah, this was not great. I there were some fun moments for sure, but a lot of it felt like jokes that were ripped right out of like the era the movie probably came out in. Like there's a scene where the dogs messing up the kitchen and they're playing this like yeah. hip hop beat under it and I'm thinking like what year what decade is this? Like this could be a early 2000s kind of co comedy scene and it just did not I didn't like very much. I'll get more into it I guess but yeah I was not a fan of the show and it, it did not make me want to go back and watch the movie. Uh, yeah, I'll say the movie's but The one thing, I'll spoil the movie a little bit, but, like, in the show, the dad, spoiler alert, dies. I mean, it's not really a spoiler. I think that's in the trailer, essentially, for the show. Is Tom Hanks' character dies and gives him a dog. But they, it, that almost makes no sense because they, like, talk about how the death was unexpected and no one saw it coming and it was a heart attack. But then also the dad gives him a dog and, like, writes him a letter about how, like, he should have a dog. And I'm like, it doesn't really make sense, I guess. Unless he, like, has the heart attack 
And then maybe he has a second heart attack and dies. But then I'm like, if I have to come up with weird headcanon to explain the plot of fucking Turner and Hooch, then I feel like the writing's not great. But, but also, Joe, there's a mystery. You're, you're not. You're missing the the mystery at the end. You know, there could be a Riverdale style mystery going on. Maybe the dad was assassinated. Actually, I I'm kind of almost, I thought about that towards the end of like, what if the dad was murdered? But um, so in the show, he basically gets the dog as a gift from his dad because it was his dad's dog that he had when he died. But however, the mom's still alive. The mom's a vet. Like, I feel like it's weird for the mom not to just keep the dog, but. Uh, in the show, basically, Tom or in the movie, I'm sorry, Tom Hanks' character is like this small town cop that's about to move to San Francisco so he can get real cases and real crimes and not just investigate stolen bikes. And there's this old guy in the town who uh, is always calling the police because he hears this or sees this and they never turn into anything. But basically, Tom Hanks, his character builds a rapport with him and they become friends. And he knows the dog pretty well. And then one day that guy's in, that guy ends up stabbed. And the dog witnessed the murder. And so Tom Hanks feels that the dog would be able to identify who was the killer. And so that's why he's bringing the dog around. Because he's like, when he sees the murderer, he's going to react. Because he's, the dog's going to know. And honestly, that makes like somewhat real world sense. But now Josh Peck's character is just bringing the dog around. Because why not? I'm not going to lie to you, Joe, until right now I thought that the dog in the original movie could talk, but only talk to Tom Hanks, and that's why Tom Hanks was like his partner. No, he could yeah. talk to the dog. No, it's, I would say the original movie is, per, even this show is like genuinely realistic. The writing's just not good. But yeah, the, the original movie is like relatively realistic. The one thing I will say in this is, you know, it's, it, it's a movie about a dog cop starring Tom Hanks, and there's not a sequel, so you can probably figure out how things go not really sure about this whole forever dog thing and how he's like the original hooch when the original hooch not really a forever dog i'll say that um but I, i'm curious if this gets a season two if because it's weird because the pilot of this episode kind of basically just took most of the plot of the movie like how the girl the his mom who is a vet is now just like the girl dog trainer so it's kind of the same thing there the one thing is weird is that the uh actress that played his love interest tom hanks's love interest and who is now josh peck's mom like that character is not the same actress and that actress is still working so it's weird that they didn't bring her in for this her last movie was actually the recent tom hanks movie directed by paul greengrass news of the world or whatever so interesting interesting that they didn't hire her for to play the same character in this but yeah good for her to avoid doing this one i guess because like those are probably the worst characters in the show like they shoved this dog off on josh peck and josh peck's like what i have a life i have a house i have a job and they're just like well sorry and they just leave and i'm like what you just shove say... this giant dog on this man and just leave and then he calls him and he's, he's like i have a job mom i can't like I think you're muted, but I will say uh, my, I think this show would have been better if it was just a straight up reboot and not a continuation of the original series. Cause I think the flaws of this movie stem from the fact that this kid was raised by a dad who loved dogs. His mom is a vet. And for some random reason that they don't really explain, he just doesn't like dogs and doesn't know, understand dogs and like, doesn't even know how to be around dogs. And that makes no sense. And basically everything about this, I think every everything that's causing this show to fail is it's trying to be a continuation when honestly they should have just done a straight up reboot. 
You're still muted. I think his mic just might have died. So I might be carrying this thing. Who knows? I'm just going to keep talking until he hopefully fixes it. Oh, there he is. Uh, I I agree with you. I didn't even know this was a continuation when I watched it, honestly, until now. Like, I thought, oh, maybe it's some Easter egg or something like that, but I thought it was a reboot until I watched, until you mentioned that it was connected. <laughs> no, yeah, you know? jo- Josh Peck is supposed to be Tom Hanks' son. I could see it. They have that, like, a suburban dad yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing of like, oh, he's, it's like the original Hooch is back. It's like, well, the original Hooch didn't last very long. And also, like, the kids never met the original Hooch, so how would they know? It's not the actual original Hooch. Yeah, to me, like, I, I don't know. It just, it's it, not like, it's not like Mark Hamill coming back for Force Awakens. It's not the same Hooch. Yeah, yeah. It, to me, the show should have just been a full-on reboot. Yeah, that might have helped at least a little bit, I guess. <laughs> This this show needs a lot of hope. He said hope make it to season two. Hope make it to episode two. I'm not planning on watching much more of this one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm maybe gonna, you will. I'll keep watching, but I might dip out. Same with monsters at work, where I said oh, I'll probably keep watching. I I just never did. <laughs> uh, but I don't think I don't know if you have much more to add. I will say uh, you should check out the movie. It's like an hour and a half long. It's quick, quick breeze through. Uh, I feel like this show. I'm a little bit higher on it than Tristan. I will say if you're like a fan of like NCIS and CSI and those type of shows, but you also have like little kids around and you feel like those shows might be too dark for them. So you want like a lighter version of that Turner and Hooch is where you go. But if you like worship at the altar of Terrence Malick, then you're probably not going to like this show. You're probably going to be closer to where Tristan is and think it's complete garbage. I do agree. If you like cop shows and you want a cop show, you can also watch with young kids. It's probably like a, a solid hybrid of it. The kids can laugh with the dog stuff, and the parents have at least a, a semi-compelling cop mystery stuff going on. Like this is no less compelling of a mystery than you'd get out of like a low-tier cop show, you know. So it's pretty much on that tier, and to me, that's a pretty low tier. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you like that tier, I'm sure you'd like this, but it was not for me necessarily. No. I will say I was not going to watch episode two until they uh, had kind of the reveal towards the end. And that's when things started to connect for me more. And I'm like, oh, this just got a little bit more interesting. But I might watch episode two and be like, no, never mind. I'm out. (laughs) I'd be Uh, curious to get your thoughts on it. uh, Yeah, I'll probably talk about episode two next week. Um, And that brings us to uh, Behind the Attraction. Unless you had anything more you wanted to talk about Turner and Hooch. Please get me out of there. All right, and uh, so Behind the Attraction I thought was really fun. I watched the first three episodes. The first one covers uh, Jungle Cruise because of the new movie coming out this weekend, or next weekend, rather. Uh, So we have Jungle Cruise. The second one is The Haunted Mansion, and then the third one is Star Tours. So three movies that all are either have, or three rides that either all have movies based on them or are based on movies. So just a lot of cross promotion going on there. I thought it was a fun uh, show. If you kind of like those behind the scenes documentaries about like movies or rides or like what's the the series on Netflix, like the movies that made us or the toys that made us. If you like those documentaries, it's basically that similar type of vibe, but about the uh, Disney attractions would not be surprised at all. If they were like, Oh yeah, the same people that produced those produce this. So 
Uh, it literally was that. <laughs> Same people who produced the toys that made us produce this. So oh, they were? That it, oh, wow. I was just watching it. I'm like, I feel like I'm watching the toys that made us except for uh, the ride. Like, it had the exact same writing style for the host and everything. Yeah, I like this a lot. Uh, I watched the whole thing, so I've seen all the episodes that are out so far. Uh, I didn't watch them. Like, it was put them on, watch them, go do something else for a minute, come back and watch. It was a nice background watch. That's kind of what this is. Like, if you're into the Disneyland parks, if you're into the, the kind of lower theme parks and that kind of history and you want to get some little tidbits of little cool archive footage, that was what was really interesting. Uh, the Haunted Mansion one stood out to me because I've ridden that one a lot. So, you, And then in this documentary, you get to see essentially archive footage of what it was like to ride the original Haunted Mansion when it was first set up room to room and like going through step by step what each room was like and what the audience was seeing as they were going through and comparing that to my own experience is really interesting and of course you get Star Wars I'm a big Star Wars sucker uh, right behind me I have a nice picture I took at Disneyland myself at the at the Star Wars park there so in the Star in the Star Tours uh, episode you get a good look at the Galaxy's Edge you get a good yeah. look at uh, the, the various different eras of Star Tours so I had a great time with it just because of my history with the parks so if you have any history with the theme parks or that kind of stuff i think you get a good a good time out of this one might not yeah. learn anything fascinating and new but it's a nice little puff piece that's fun to watch and get ready for the the post-covid return to theme parks and i will say too as someone who i went to disney world once in uh for in orlando when i was like six and don't remember any of it so i might have been on jungle cruise there might have been on haunted management might have done star tours i don't know i don't remember any of it uh, but I still thought it was uh, interesting. You know, pretty much all those rides have seeped into pop culture and are known through pop culture. I kind of like the idea that originally Walt Disney wanted real animals on the banks of uh, Jungle Cruise. And they were like, well, animals sleep during the day, so that's probably going to be a boring ride. But Yeah, you mentioned propaganda in the other uh, documentary, and this one feels kind of like that. It's like, oh, Walt Disney's like this genius billionaire who comes in and just like, never makes any mistakes so it's like oh look at all of these fascinating ideas mr walt disney had and it's just like this is clearly a puff piece for disneyland and a puff piece to get people to come back and go to the parks again but you know watch it with that in mind it was fun <laughs> I, yeah, I, I will say i did like the part during the haunted mansion episode where they talked about walt Di walt disney died during the like making of the haunted mansion uh ride and they were kind of like well he's been leading this whole thing and no one else is really second in command, so what are we supposed to do in there? Basically, all right, well, we're just going to keep working, I guess, and hopefully it'll work out. And kind of, uh, it, it worked out because it's still, like, an iconic ride. And I also like, uh, in the Haunted Mansion episode, how they talked about how they incorporate uh, different cultures and stuff depending on where the park is. Like, they, it's more, like, in the one in China, it has a lot of, like, Chinese mythology incorporated into it and... It's the same with the one in Paris. It's Well, the one in Paris, they were basically like, it doesn't really match any of the open spots we have, so we just put it in Frontierland and made it an Old West vibe because so much of Paris is already, like, has is known for being haunted that it doesn't really stick out here. So they decided to go with, like, an American vibe to make it different than all of the other actual, like, haunted places you can go in Paris. Yeah, I thought that, like, haunted Old Western uh uh, mansion was a really cool innovation to get yeah. that to fit into the lore because if you go into Disney you, you you know that they're broken up into those parks and they get very specific about like things fitting into the the lore of each park and not feeling out of place and yeah. you're feeling like you're in, engulfed in that world and uh, you mentioned the different themes of Haunted Mansion and they mentioned in the documentary too that there's a Nightmare Before Christmas 
uh, theme they do for Christmas time at uh, at, uh, at Disneyland, where they basically take over the entire haunted mansion and turn the entire thing into Nightmare Before Christmas and replace the characters, replace the music, replace all the art and everything else. And it's this uh, really bright, colorful ride through Halloween Town and, and Christmas Town. <laughs> I've gone on that a handful of times when I lived there, and it was a really good time too. So Haunted Mansion stood out to me. And if you want to get a, a feel for, like Joe said, they change it up and they add these kind of new themes in for different eras, like different locations. And I really have a good time with uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas theme. So check that out in the documentary too if you want to get an idea of what that was like. Yeah, and one thing I want to ask you, because you might know more than me, when they do that, like a changeover, is the ride just like closed for two days? Or are they able to like basically do that overnight? Yeah, they close it for a very short amount of time to get it to transition over, but it's not very long. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Like, I lived near Anaheim, so I was there. I would there were times in the summer where I went to Disneyland once a week because I had my I had annual pass and you could just go in and out whatever, <laughs> yeah. essentially. So it was right when Galaxy's Edge, Galaxy's Edge opened, so I went to this. Essentially, it was. You know, the peak of Star Wars hype, I was waiting for Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker to come out, and there's no way that could be bad, so I was really hyped for that, and I was watching all the Clone Wars stuff again, and I would go to Galaxy Edge every weekend, and it was a really great time to be a Star Wars fan, but of course, the rest of Disneyland was also there, <laughs> so I went to the rest of it too. Yeah, I will say, I, I liked a lot of the aspects, how they were like, oh, we like needed an idea for this part of the ride, and so we actually incorporated like this idea from an older ride, and brought it in like how they were talking about uh for the uh millennium falcon ride in uh galaxy's edge how basically the whole co- the whole millennium falcon is built but then the actual cockpit part essentially like rotates and there's actually like eight stations and you just like turn throughout the ride and you don't really notice it and you, you don't really realize that there's eight separate stations and the stations rotate as you come in yeah, it's really fascinating to see the behind the scenes of these rides because I think the rides are some of the are obviously the most fascinating part of Disneyland. Like, of mm-hmm. course, you get like the food and the characters and the whole like culture of Disney come to life. But their rides and their animatronics are genuinely really innovative and really fascinating to see how they work. So, I think this is always interesting to see the history—not just history, but like the the mechanics of how they get these things to work and mm-hmm. how it all kind of comes together to create these monumental pieces of pop culture like the haunted mansion ride everybody kind of knows what that's like you know it's really fascinating to the level of a movie of course there's a movie of haunted mansion but like these theme park rides have managed to become iconic to the level of a movie would be yeah who can forget that eddie murphy classic um but yeah anything else you want to say about uh behind the attraction before we move on no i hope they do more episodes i'd really love to see some more of it yeah, I don't remember what the other oh, was. Uh, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is another one, and I don't remember what the last one is. I have a great Twilight Zone story to for my Tower of Terror story really quick before we leave. <laughs> uh, I was going on with my dad when I was a kid, my first trip to Disney World, and I was really scared by Tower of Terror because you go up and up and up and up and up, and then you stop, and it opens up the, the ends of the elevator, and you look out, and you're all above Orlando, and it's, of course, like a giant scary height, and then the, the ghosts get you, and you fall, and I was a kid, so I was burying my my face in my dad's arm kind of like this like my my mouth was into his into his elbow and when the drop came i bit down so hard that i bit open his elbow and he started spewing blood all over his <laughs> arm as as the tower of terror was dropping <laughs> uh and then the terrifying sequence of events and we have a good picture of that too of my dad with the blood pouring down <laughs> and me crying uh, reminds me of uh so i don't even remember what this uh 
ride was it wasn't like a ride it was called like alien encounter that they i think switched to like lilo and stitch type deal where the out because like i said i I forgot that there was one thing i do slightly remember uh from my trip is it basically said like no young children and so my mom thought that meant like no three-year-olds and this ride was like super terrifying and super scary and i was just like sobbing the entire time because it's like this weird scary alien and it's one of those ones where it like blows shit at you and freaked my little six-year-old brain out (laughs) that sounds terrifying but yeah and then they switched it to basically it's a lilo and stitch thing with it's like stitch broke out and uh people are saying oh that was so scary and like they were terrified when they were a kid i'm like you don't even know man (laughs) you don't understand yeah they switched (laughs) the twilight zone theme to a guardians of the galaxy one at disneyland and I wanted to complain because I'm not a huge fan of the movies that much, but the ride is like super cool, so I couldn't complain. But yeah. it's essentially, it's the same thing with a really cool, like sci-fi neon aesthetic of Guardians to it, and they brought the actors back to do voice. I'm sure it's in the it's in the documentary, of course, but yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, cool change. All right, and uh, I think that covers everything I had on the sidebar, and that's one final thing I wanted to talk about, and that is more the future of Disney Plus, and there were a number of star wars disney plus rumors that were kind of leaked uh this past week and i wanted to talk about and get your opinion on and feed me the rumors joe have you heard any of them i have not i've been keeping myself blind i saw you text me a couple of them i think but i just you know i need you not want to talk about them because we cannot no no give it to me i need i need to have my 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 virgin eyes cleared on the live airs of of movie change up here all right so the first one uh we have vivian lira blair who uh, was in the movie Bird Box, has been cast to play a young Leia in Kenobi. I like that. I really think that's interesting. I know we were talking rumors about maybe young Leia, maybe young Luke, and we thought, oh, maybe a young Leia could be the perfect excuse to get Obi-Wan kind of off Tatooine. And that seems, based on everything I've heard, that seems to be the plot of Kenobi, is Leia gets kidnapped, and kenobi has to go rescue her yeah if i was gonna guess the beats now i would say like leia gets kidnapped obi-wan has this kind of first episode torment of like oh here's where i am protecting luke and town tatooine i get news about leia do i go do i not and then he goes and then kind of our last arc is he's rescued leia goes back to tatooine and then oh the worst has happened luke's been threatened now so it was like a final confrontation some way somehow to save Luke at the end. God, if Maul was still alive, it'd be the greatest. Well, this is pre, pre-Maul, but... Because this is only ten years after A New Hope. Sure, but you can't kill him now because he has yeah. to be alive in the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> so we have some more rumors. Uh, another one, obviously based on the last rumor, not a big shock. R2 and C-3PO are set to appear. Not, of course. Uh, obviously, they're with Leia, they're with Bail Organa, not a big shock. Uh, yeah. Next, we have Sung Kang, who most people would know as playing Han in the Fast and the Furious franchise is set to play the fifth brother in Kenobi. Really cool. I was thinking that an Inquisitor would be a great fit for Kenobi, so that's a that's a really cool casting. Yeah. And the fifth brother obviously has appeared in Rebels a few times, mainly in season two. And then fi- our, I have some Ahsoka rumors, but our last uh, Kenobi rumor is Agent Callus, played by Rupert Friend, who was in the show Homeland, and Hitman Agent Forty Seven will also appear in Kenobi. I like that. Wow, it'll be a what a collision of characters. I didn't yeah. think Kenobi would be the place to do all these characters, but like none of them sound abstract. None of them sound like a reach. All these people sound like they could reasonably be in that place in that time, especially yeah. like 
I could see Callus capturing Leia. That could be like part of the plot, or Callus yep. being involved in that plot some way or another. Because I now the timeline's gonna confuse me. Because I got I gotta remember where in Callus's arc are we at this point? Is he we're, a good guy? Is he a bad guy? No, we're, he's he's evil Callus at this point. He's bad Callus because this is pre Rebels. So this is like five ish years before Rebels. Rebels starts, and then Callus doesn't really appear until like season two or three. I don't think so. Yeah, so I could see him being involved in the Leia kidnapping plot. It's all coming mm. together, Joe. And then finally, we have some Ahsoka rumors, and that is Mina Masoud, who people would know as playing Aladdin in the live-action Aladdin remake, has been cast as uh, Ezra Bridger. And then Lars Mikkelsen, who is known as the voice of Thrawn, has been cast to play the live-action version of Thrawn. Interesting. I think it's a good pull because Theron is one of the few characters I think that actually makes sense to bring in the guy because you don't need, like, I mean, I suppose you could bring in a really iconic actor to play the villain, but to me, that shows that it's not going to be a humongous role. It's going to be similar to Katie Sackhoff's role in Rebels, where it's like, oh, they're a supporting character, but they're not necessarily, like, leading their own show, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And finally, getting some Ezra Cass. Of course, it's a rumor, but Ezra Cass, he's been going around forever and. I, I I suppose if we're we're gonna get live action because it was like oh we're we gonna get it animated we're we gonna get it live action so of course now it seems like they're going the live action route. Yeah, I think I mean there's been rumors of a rebel sequel for the longest time and the a rumor I heard probably like four or five months ago was originally that was planned to be animated, but because of Mandalorian was essentially far more successful than they anticipated that they've decided to make that show live action. Is what I'm curious I've heard. about it. Is what I've heard. So, I mean, it's interesting because you'll you have to essentially bring Hera back too, and I know for a lot of like um, the poster that they did for the last Star Wars celebration that had like all of the eras and all of the characters, where you saw like Pierce Brosnan was the model used for Thrawn. They used Vanessa Marshall's face for um, Hera, and she was obviously the voice actress for Hera on Rebel. So I'm curious if they would bring her in to uh, play the role. Because I think a lot of the times when, like we've seen before, if the actor can visible, like believably play the live action counterpart, they usually do that. It's just with, uh, obviously with Agent Callus, with David Oyelowo playing his voice, you can't really have him play the live action version. And then, on that one. and then the actor that plays Ezra doesn't really look like Ezra at all, so it's kind of hard for him to play it. But, you know, obviously with... And same with Ashley Eckstein and Ahsoka. She doesn't really look like Ahsoka. Like I would imagine a live-action Ahsoka looks, so... Yeah, and I imagine you're not demanding a lot out of these performances. Like, Ahsoka's leading her own series. It's a lot to ask, to ask Ashley Eckstein to lead a series as a live-action actress. Yeah. Like... It's one thing if it's a cameo or it's just a couple episodes here and there, but yeah, to lead a series is a lot. So I think, yeah, bringing back the original Hera, especially like what is Hera? She's sitting in the cockpit sometimes walking around, you know, she's not <laughs> really directly involved in the action most of the time, I wouldn't think, in this kind of a series. Yeah. So I think it would work for her to be in that role. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Casting is coming out. It's finally starting to feel real. I was, I was still in my head saying, this Kenobi series is too good to be true, Joe. It, it, I'm not going to believe it until I'm watching it, but yeah. it's coming. It's happening. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how all of this is going to play out. Like, do you think there's going to be a point where we see young Leia and Vader in a room, and uh, maybe like that's what spawns that fight between Kenobi and Vader? But at that point, if Kenobi's fighting Vader over Leia, 
Like, I almost feel like Vader would have to be pretty dumb not to at least start to put two and two together. Yeah, I wonder how how they're going to get around because there's so many little lines they have to make sure they don't cross. And, like, the, of course, like, people are going to care no matter what. A little, The tiniest little incongruity is going to be torn apart by people. Mm-hmm. But it's always interesting in this kind of a storyline to see how they try and walk around those lines. Like, yeah. when Obi-Wan and Darth Vader see each other in New Hope when they have that first confrontation. And it's like, and Vader says, oh, a princess I haven't felt. His mic cut out again. And let's go. Is it going to come back? Oh, it's back. It goes off about, like, they're very specific about when their last interaction was. And it'll be interesting to see if they try and subvert that. Yeah, because he just says, oh, presence I haven't felt since. And then the line cuts in. Like, people complain about, like, oh, connecting and will it connect. In? But, like, the thing is now, like, the prequels in the original trilogy don't really connect. Like, when Obi-Wan hands... Luke the Saber, he's like, oh, your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough. It's like, okay, that's never mentioned or said, ever. But I'm curious if they have, like, because there's, like, talks that there's potentially going to be flashbacks in Kenobi. Like, what if we see that conversation in a flashback between... Because the thing is, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor really haven't aged much since 2005 that, like, makeup and slight de-aging effects couldn't take care of, like... It's not like Hayden Christensen has put on like a hundred pounds that you got to figure out how you're gonna take off. Like he has a few wrinkles here and there, but some makeup and some de a little a tiny bit of de aging can fix that. It could lead a movie, I think, like Jumper or something. I could see. Well, he'd have to be a better actor first, but. Yeah, I'm excited though. I think a flashback for that would be good because we've seen Rogue One likes to fill in those little potholes. So, the heart was a flutter thinking about Anakin and Obi Wan flashbacks in the era of Clone Wars. So. I'm really excited for that show. We're in a tiny drought of Star Wars now, but next year is going to just be Star Wars after Star Wars after Star Wars, kind of like Marvel is now. <laughs> so enjoy the time off. Yep. Uh, all right. Anything else to add? Because that's all the everything I had. Nope. I'm looking forward to a lot of that stuff. A lot of if it's true or not, it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out. Yep. We're back to the rumor rumor mill of Star Wars again. Yep. All right. Then uh, everyone enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, we will be back next week to talk uh, another week in Disney Plus, and I believe originally next week was supposed to be for our main show was supposed to be uh, Bobby vs Johnny in the championship match, but because of Johnny's schedule, he only can he only has Tuesday off, and Bobby's not able to do Tuesday, so we're pushing it back a week. So next week will be Tristan, Bobby, and I doing a deep dive into the MCU. It's not really going to be like a debate like our normal shows. It's more just going to be a conversation. It's going to be kind of similar to this. Instead of a Disney Plus review, it's just going to be an MCU kind of review talking about our favorite movies, our favorite moments. Uh, Should be a good time. So if you want to watch that, uh, we will be streaming that live next week. Uh, Have a nice night.